the snow has melted. The flowers are blooming. So it's finally fucking another hot, fucking bro. episode of as is hot as shit here in Orlando. Once again, I'm your host, Mike. Joining me, as always, the usual suspect himself, Jeff. Hey. I thought you were gonna say Hollywood. I'll go with Jeff. That's cool. Hollywood, yeah. I was calling you Jeff uh, yesterday. El Jeff. You go by many nicknames. Yeah. So that's fine. The opposite and, of a mononym. Yeah, a Jeffonym. And joining third chair, one of our favorite guests slash hosts. He does his own show, The Beer Chasers, and he brews for Bayboro Brewing. Preston himself. What is going on, gentlemen? Good to see you. What's up, man? Long time no see. Yeah, it's been been a good little minute since a couple weeks, you know, since the festival, but been doing good, keeping busy, still doing brew stuff and lots of other fun things beer related. Yeah, you must be keeping busy. <laughs> like you must be keeping busy with the uh with Bayboro. It's um it's turned into a full time job, not being a job. It's ridiculous. The the, fe- <laughs> the the festival schedule, brewing every other weekend. I, I always forget to take into account the ancillary task that comes with brewing. So the brew day, right? Awesome. Six, seven, eight hours, depending if I'm doing one or two batches and we rock it out. Awesome. Then I forget, Oh crap. I've got to transfer some of this stuff to secondary crap. I still got to clean some bottles. Oh crap. I still got to get my cocoa nibs and vanilla beans ready. Oh crap. I got to get this one bottled. Oh crap. I got, you know, so it's a never ending rotation of doing something after work brewing or beer related. Sometimes just an hour, sometimes two and three hours. And it's just, man, that schedule, Killed me getting these last three festivals uh, up and ready, you know, on top of a full-time job, on top of a full-time husband and father, and then brewing fun on the side. It's been uh, it's been hectic, but we made it through it. So we just did our last event is uh, tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be at uh, the Murph Challenger in downtown St. Pete. So we got one more event to get through. We've got our West Coast IPA, my very first IPA built from scratch myself. We're bringing that one out. And uh, our gold winning, gold medal winning Preston Weizen, the, uh, the German Hefe, will also be out there tomorrow with us. Very nice. I just want to. I just want to note before we we dive into the episode that I poured with uh, for Bayboro in the uh, the Smash Fest, and mm-hmm. Preston has been working his ass off, and the compliments he got were nothing but flat out amazing. Yeah, it was. It was uh, it's very encouraging. You know, you go out there. And, yeah, thank you. And, and you know, again, it, it sucks. It's like every day after work, I'm doing something for beer, and I just get burnt out on it. But then you go to a festival, and people come back, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth time for that peanut butter chocolate stout. You know, some people saying this is the best beer at the entire festival, and it's like, you know, here we are at the end of the day. I just, I'm really a glorified homebrewer at this point. You know, we're we're not in a real location. I don't have real professional yeah. equipment. Um, doesn't mean you can't make good tasting beer though, and that's proof, you know, from some of the compliments we're getting, and uh, that that motivates me to keep going and keep going strong and try different things. And you know, I I never rest in my laurels. You know, I I like brewing new things. You know, I've I've, I've meddled a couple of times this year, and that's it. I'm not brewing that beer again once I've meddled with it at least this year. I want to go on and meddle something else. You know, I know. I know some guys in some of the homebrew clubs you know, I've spoken with, like I've, I've seen guys enter the same beer into six competitions and be happy that they get gold with it every time. And it's like, that's cool. But you know, after you get your first gold, you, you kind of want to move on. I do at least like got a goal with this. Let's yeah, move on to the sure. next one. Sure. Well, that's what you do it for. Anyway, you do it for people to try all the new stuff and to give you the good feedback and let you know what you're doing good and what you're not doing good. So I'm glad you're getting the feedback that you're looking for. Yeah, definitely. And thanks, Mike, for coming out. That was definitely helpful. Oh, um, the, the the festival itself was was kind of uh, rainy. You know, the, the festival was from like two to six, and it was like two oh one. The sky opened up, and there was there were some points, and you know, Mike can can confirm. You know, that it was 
raining too hard where like you, it really wasn't an enjoyable festival. There were times that the rain was low enough that you could still kind of go out and mingle, but there were definitely some spurts there at 20, 30 minutes at a time where it was raining pretty hard. People are huddled under the same tent, you know, for 20 minutes trying to survive the elements. But I swear to God at 601 festival ends, it opens up beautiful, beautiful, sunny Florida sky. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> that's like Florida summer. In a, that's like Florida summer in one sentence, like two o'clock rain. Six o'clock, beautiful. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it, it was Those comical. Was Literally, like, two hundred one and six hundred one. Yeah, it was a good so time. Have, Definitely appreciate have... Mike. I'll do for sure, man. Anytime. Um, so I, I kind of want to get into, uh, Preston. You want to mention what you're drinking before we we dive into the uh, the topic? Oh, sure, man. If you guys can see it, those at home can't. Oh, I'm drinking man. myself a, a J Dub's Bell Cow straight from the can because oh. I'm gangster. Gangster as fuck. That's delicious. OG way. Love, love, love. Is this it porter. better from the can or from the draft? Um, it's similar. I, I, I can't say I've ever okay. had a bell cow that's like, you know, hey, that's not bell cow. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to really dive in. It's going to be a little bit of a different show, maybe a little bit less funny. So if, if that's not your shit, then stop listening. But no, no. You got to get serious from time to time. Yeah, you got to keep listening. We work hard. So it's kind of old news. But for us, it's new news because we're finally getting around to recording it. Uh, Wiki Wee got bought out. And that's, you know, it happened a couple weeks ago and, and our busy lives and, and, and such to where we're finally getting around to recording it. So I kind of want to, you know, go around the table and, and talk to everybody about pretty much how they feel about the Wicked Wee, the buyout, the internet drama uh, that I was diving headfirst into, <laughs> which was the eventful to say the least uh but pretty much you know you know the first question i want i want to kind of give you know all of us is kind of the initial your initial reaction into hearing about the buyout with abi ab and Heisenbush and bev and wicked weed out of Asheville. so we can let's start with preston since he is the guest oh man put me on the spot um when you I can first... skip to jeff whatever yeah let's go to <laughs> jeff, jeff you you're the, okay, you're jeff. the second seat you get you get you know first okay. Initial so initial reaction to that buyout and it's 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 like so professionally I have this uh I have this mentality on it where I'm like, okay, well it's business, it makes sense, you know, it's progress, it's what's gonna happen, it's inevitable, and you say these things and you say these things, and then you hear of of other breweries that get bought out and you're like, All right, whatever, you know, that's just that's good for them or whatever. But when you when it's one that's just like a special brewery that just does stellar stuff like Wicked Weed does. Um, and they're so independent and so funky and they do their own thing. And they're, they're really trendsetters in the industry, especially for their region. Um, and they get bought out by AB and all of a sudden it just makes it, it's like, you just all of a sudden throw all that logic out the window and you're just like, fuck them. Like, fuck that. Like it's, and that's unfortunately what my first reaction was because I do truly believe that that is the progress of what these companies unfortunately are starting to do now is you're going to take that big paycheck when it comes and that's you know it's that that band finally making it scenario where you're like you hate them because they sold out but that's the whole reason they make the music in the first place like i know craft beer is supposed to be pure and nobody's trying to make it they're trying to make the beer because they love the beer but at the end of the day it's a business and when they have that big paycheck in their face they take it but it's one of those breweries that for whatever reason it's like they're 
they're so unique and they do their own thing and they have such a cool system and, and all this different stuff that they do so well. And when one of them gets bought out by AB, it's like, you know, they're those unicorn breweries that like, it's like Treehouse or, or Alchemist or somebody, you know, it's not, maybe not on that same level, but it's like, it's one of those iconic breweries getting bought out and you're like, man, like, I can't believe that happened, you know, and it, it, it does hit you. It hits you really hard. And that was kind of my first take on the whole thing. Um, I mean, we'll dive way deeper into more of it right. behind the scenes behind but That was just what my first initial reaction was to the news was just kind of like, damn, like, I can't believe it hit such a gem, you know? Yeah. Uh, Preston, what would you think? Yeah. Very, very similar thoughts along the lines of Jeff there. Um, when I first heard it, you know, it was, it was interesting, but, I don't, know, I don't know if I'm just kind of easy, easy going, laid back with some of this stuff, and it's like you know, my first initial thing is good for them. You know, I, I think everybody has a price. I don't think any one of us, and I think a, a lot of people, at some point, they're going to hit a number that you're like, you know what, I'm going to take that. You know, for some people, it might be a million, some people ten million, some people hundred million, some people billion. You know, but I think everybody's going to have uh, a price. You know, as a, as a million dollar man used to speak, <laughs> um, everybody's got a price. Um, so kind of it, it wasn't shocking because again, you know, talking to who's buying them out, they got a pretty fat, you know, checkbook, and they're obviously losing ground. They're losing their ass and their their typical products. So, you know, they're going to start going aggressive and, and and doing some of these buyouts and and merging and and kind of getting getting their fingerprint into uh, the craft sector. Um, so the fact that it's wicked weed or not, it, it wasn't so surprising on who it was necessarily for me. Um, it's just like that 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 is definitely a big name, and that's going to be a, a big impact. Um, so, so initially it, it wasn't a big deal to me because again, this is America. That that's the American dream, right? Is you know you, you you go out there, you bust your ass, you you finally get some recognition, you get a big paycheck from it, and you, you retire fat. You know that's what we we all hope to do. But as Jeff was saying, I also have that inkling of being a craft brewer and being kind of more on the art side of it and less about the business. There is this kind of sting where it's you know, hey, you were kind of one of us, and you were you were fighting that battle along with us against this big guy, and all of a sudden this big guy came with a big check and now you're on their side. There's kind of that betrayal a little bit. Um, but you know, again, it's, it's, that's America, man. That that's you know capitalism and you're going to go out there and make your money. And they, they offered them, you know, an offer they couldn't refuse and they took it. So uh, I wasn't necessarily shocked. Again, that's going to be their, their MO. I think moving forward is they're going to purchase some. I mean, I think it was smart for them. You know, there's, there's definitely some ones they've gobbled up that aren't quite as well known, not as recognizable, um, you know, some are like, hey, who is that? I don't care. Whatever. Kona Lager cares. You know, that's another mass produced beer. We're not going to drink anyways. But um, so, so it does sting a little bit because this is that, that kind of cool, funky, you know, hey, you were you were fighting the, the big guy. And now all of a sudden you're on their side. What gives, you know? So that, that's about it as far as shock, but not not too surprising. Yeah. W- when I first heard about it, I was I was my first thought was I was like floored. Like, oh, my God, like Wicked Weed. Is this for real? Like of all the breweries that could have been bought out. Because they, you know, for me, were such a, a leader in independency and doing what they want. And not just brewing beer, but the art, I think, is is dying. You know, I, I, craft beer, to me personally, is losing the art aspect of it. And people are just brewing beer just to say, oh, I have an IPA. It has fucking it's cloudy. You know, but, you know, Wicked Weed, to me, was one of those independent breweries that created beer as an art form and it stuck it was it was you know it fit the hipster vibe it fit the enthusiast side it was quality it was great it was creative it was it was everything that i wanted and that i looked for to get behind a brewery that 
you know, stood like that. And for them to be bought out, you know, I'm kind of with Jeff. You know, it's business. Everybody has a price. Their price was, you know, an undisclosed amount, and they sold, and they have every right to sell. But, you know, I was I was shocked, but I, I I'm not mad. Old, I'm not going around saying I'm never buying Wicked Weed again. But my initial reaction was the fact that I was I was shocked because I wasn't. You know, ABI has been buying pretty much no name breweries for the last year and a half, two years, whatever. Yeah, I think the next biggest but, one was Breckenridge. Yeah. And I mean, Breckenridge is widely available, but they don't have that hit power like Wicked Weed does. Right. But I think that, you know, I think that really shook everybody, including, you know, I, I would assume all of us, you know, to where it's like, oh my God, like Wicked Weed sold, sold out. Holy shit. But, I, you know, I'm not mad. It's business. I mean, that's, that's American business. Yeah, that's exactly. It. So. I got text. My mom's texting me. The we- so, you know, Jeff. The, we- the weird thing to me, so this is where my mind goes. And just because this is like the the weird place that my mind takes me in this is, is what, what draws Anheuser-Busch to Wicked Weed? And if that thing is drawing them to Wicked Weed, like what we said, to us, from the from inside the industry, we see them as as front runners in innovation, in craft, in, in being their own thing they're their own person they're like this is what we do we're not mainstream we're not macro we're doing this so and anheuser still went after them like they made themselves as unavailable as possible they put up the fucking blinders and they were like please don't come to us we're our own entity and anheuser still came to them so what i think is how many offers does anheuser bush have on the table at any given time to any number of craft breweries how many people are they negotiating with right now and how many craft breweries are they going to own by the end of next year? I mean, it's yes. literally, if they're coming after Wick, if they're coming after wicked weed, who is such an, not an under the radar, obviously a very big brewery and, and well-known, but as far as from a macro like business outlook, they're not compatible. So if they're coming after a place like wicked weed, who else are they coming after? Yes, yeah, definitely a good yeah. point. And, you know, uh, somebody like Budweiser, uh, InBev or whatever, they can definitely afford to uh, cut back on some of their marketing. It's like like McDonald's. I'm stealing something from David Cross here. He says, you know, if McDonald's never aired a commercial for two months, you wouldn't be going like, dude, is McDonald's still around? Like, what happened to McDonald's? You know, they can definitely right. shift some of that advertising budget, which is in the billions, I'm sure, into acquiring some of these places. I'm sure they can scoop up a couple little breweries, you know, for, for just – uh, two months worth of advertising budget, you know, and peak times and stuff. So yeah, you mean they don't question? They don't have to spend eight hundred million dollars on the Super Bowl advertising. They could just spend two hundred million dollars. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the next question I kind of want to lead into the discussion is is and we can this could kind of go on a little bit longer, but you know the the amount of hate that social media took with the buyout. You know, I'm in a bunch of craft beer groups. Preston's in a bunch of craft beer groups. I don't know about Jeff. I'm assuming Jeff is in groups that talk about. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I am. Yeah. But the amount of media, social media outrage, and the hate, and the fuck you, you fucking sell off. Fuck this. Blah blah blah. I'm never buying your beer. ABI can suck it. They're killing. ABI is killing craft beer. I kind of want to, you know, start a, you know, a dialogue with kind of, you know initial you know your reaction and then kind of how you feel about 
the social media aspect within the consumer market of craft beer? Who wants to me? I'll go if you want. I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk like, too much at one time. <laughs> I feel like um, I feel like I respect anybody's opinion on on how they're going to take the news. I'm not somebody who ever wants to tell somebody how they want to react to an event. That's it affects them different than it affects me. So if somebody says fuck them, I'm never drinking their beer again. I totally respect that, and I I think that they have every right to make that point. Um, I think those people are less focused on the craft beer and they'll be the first person to say, and this is just my opinion. I could be completely wrong by the way, but they will be the first person to say, I love craft beer. And that's the reason that I'm not going to buy their beer anymore. And I don't believe that's true. I think that they support local and they have a pride in supporting the little, the little business. And so when they're no longer the little business, then they're going to, then they're going to say, okay, well, you know what? I'm not going to support Anheuser-Busch because of what they represent. I think that's fair. If you're supporting local and you're supporting your, your small business owners and you're in it, but don't say it's about the craft of the beer because if it was, then you'd still drink their beer because their beer didn't change. It's still their beer. It's still wicked weed. You can still get all the ones you loved. If it was about the craft of the beer, which they're going to tell you, it's all oh, craft beer, this, and this isn't craft anymore. It's the same beer. If you're only about the taste, then then you're off base on saying I'm never drinking their beer again. I totally am okay with people saying fuck them. They sold out uh, as far as supporting small business and supporting local and drinking local. Um, and I think that's what craft beer community is all about, which is why this whole macro thing pisses people off so much. Um, it's because that's really what the craft beer culture is about: is supporting your local craft beer brewers. You know, so I get it. Um, I, it doesn't piss me off as much because I'm on the other side as a, as a restaurant, I, I sell beer and I'm i I'm in the business side of craft beer now more than I was at world of beer. Um, well, same thing at world of beer, but obviously we were dealing with different clientele and such, but, um, but yeah, I, I get it. It, it still pisses me off. It still hits me, but, um, you know, I, I understand it more and I'm not as, I'm not going to say I'm never drinking wicked weed again. If I go to Asheville, I'm still going to the Funkatorium. Like straight up. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm straight. going. You know, so. but that's my no take. question. Sure. Yeah, this, this is the part that I was most surprised about. You know, and, and the fact that it happened not surprising again. Big checkbook. They're losing their ass year over year. You know, they're going to get more involved in the craft market rather than start from scratch. What's the easiest way? And you got a fat check. Just buy somebody else who's already doing it. Um, but I was super surprised at the amount of vitriol being thrown towards Wicked Weed. Uh, through the social media channels. Um, I, I understood we were going to see some very hardcore craft people who are going to say, you know, that's it. They sold out. I'm not buying that beer anymore. But along the lines of what Jeff said, I don't understand that if you're into the craft of the beer and that's the reason you're buying it, how the fact that somebody else has come in and is kind of funneling money into this business is going to affect your love for that craft. Like I just try to think about it in any other industry. Like look at this from like an artist perspective. If this was an artist – you know, hand drawing his paintings and, you know, struggling for a while. He, he built himself up a good bankroll and he can kind of draw what he wants now. And he's got the ability to kind of do whatever he wants. And then someone, I don't know, like Disney comes in and says, well, now we want you to be under us and, you know, you can keep drawing and doing your cool drawings, but, you know, we're going to help funnel some money so we can do some other things. We can collaborate or whatever and do more stuff. Like, I don't see people be going, fuck that artist. I'm not buying that dude's art anymore. Like, you know, like I just, I don't understand that that 
that rationale of because they got bought out, I'm not going to support them. Uh, the easy one everybody draws back to is also a Goose Island. Believe me, right. they're still selling out of Bourbon County. That's selling out every year. There's still going to be a line for it. You know, so why didn't Bourbon County take as big of a hit as Wicked Weeks? I don't think, and in your guys' opinion, you can back me up or not, I don't think Bourbon County took, or uh, Goose Island took nearly as big of a hit as Wicked Weeks did in this entire thing. You know, Goose, I, I think there was definitely... They yeah, upped their production. They upped their production of Bourbon County and still sold out of it the next year. So yeah, they yeah. didn't take a hit. If anything, they sold more Bourbon County. They took a hit in other brands, but not in Bourbon County. But so I don't. I don't know if it's Wicked Weed, like Mike is saying. You know that they were just so unique and crafty and unique. You know that it was just that much more of a sting to people. But I don't understand that rationale at all. I never understood it. Um, again, you know if now. Now, if we go down the road six to eight months and we all of a sudden start seeing some of the cool stuff is, is being withdrawn from the market and, like, you know, the, the fact that they're funneling in now is taking, you know, stuff out of the market and they're not doing some of that cool, funky stuff anymore and, like, Wicked Weeds no longer what they used to be, that's a totally different subject. But, you know, just from the get-go of it happening and just boycotting, man, I saw that picture. It was, like, some dude's liquor store and they had – the Wicked Weed in the bargain bin for like two for a dollar saying like, we only support craft beer here. And it's like, that was craft beer a day ago. You know, the fact that who owns it, or I don't, I don't even know yeah. exactly how the bio 100% works, but just the fact that they're coming in now, all of a sudden it's not craft beer. I think that's bullshit. And I think that's unfair. Fine. Very funny because I bet you $500 that store has Goose Island, has Ballast Point, has all of these beers that are owned by macro companies. Yeah, I mean, Cigar City sold out. Yeah, you know, I think not... the big problem here. Well, the difference between Cigar <laughs> City, right? That was Constellation Brands. It wasn't AB InBev. And I saw somebody make it. It's a little reachy, but I'll, I'll repeat it here. You know, it was like it's kind of like your sister is dating that douchebag that like beats the shit out of her, and you know it. And you're like, God damn it, why are you going back to that guy? Like, and then all of a sudden she's gonna marry him. You know, she complains the whole time, like, yeah, he's kicking my ass. You know, I just gotta get out of here. And like a week later, all of a sudden they're getting married. And, like. You know, it's kind of like that, I guess. You're like, oh, fuck, you're going to marry that douchebag. All right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of how I took the, the social media and I got I got deep in. Holy shit. I was I was getting people. You went down. Was, the every, oh, I spent hours. <laughs> um, you know. People have maybe have seen my comments in the groups and it may have come across that I don't value their opinion. It's entitled like just Everyone's feel how they will have their opinion, but the logic behind that opinion, not it's not that it's not right, but it doesn't make logical sense. Of, oh man, you know, I, I drink crap beer, not crap beer. It's like wicked weed's still good. Like you would you would have bought it yesterday because this got released. Now you're not buying it, even though it's the same, just a new ownership. Like that. It, it was brewed before it was bought out. <laughs> yeah gonna buy it because abi now owns them or you know like press has said the, the liquor stores were like oh you know we're not support you know two for one or you know this is you know macro beer blah 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 like it this sense of entitlement i've never seen so much entitlement with consumers it was almost sickening that they felt that they got personally offended or screwed because wicked weed they they were like, oh man, this is bullshit. Fuck you, this and that, and, and you know that's not what craft beer is about. And these people, you know, 
it's like a Venn diagram. You have the people who drink it for quality on one circle. You have the people who drink it to support local. And then you have the little bit of people in the middle that do it for both. You know, it's, I'm more in the quality circle than the support local circle. And, you know, I, my reasoning was craft beer doesn't define, doesn't mean quality necessarily. Cause there's a lot of breweries that are craft breweries that make terrible beer, but people still go there because that's the local brewery. And they're like, Oh man, such a brewery is so good. Cause it's only down the street from my house and it's the best. And I think that's what we've talked about before the, the bubble bursting. That's where we're going to get the burst is in the, you know, there's too many local ones, but I think, you know, the cream will rise at the top, the, the top and, you know, they'll support that market, but eventually that's going to come where you can't make that three out of five beer and be successful. Yeah. And, and it, it's just, you know, it, it, it's upsetting because so many people were, were so out to get them. And these people act like they never bought a Bud Light, that they never ordered a Miller Light, that they don't, that they're not aging a Bourbon County as we speak. Like it's, it's a facade. It's I call them faux drinkers that they just they act like all the the only thing they buy ever is one hundred percent craft beer and anything else is garbage and beneath them and that they're entitled to only be provided certain you know beer from a certain brewery that does a certain thing if that makes sense. The weird thing is is they're still going to continue to brew that quality beer. It's not like we we didn't brew quality. That's what's maddening to me is that the beer was always great. You know, like it's not right. even well, like I said. Go ahead. We're, we're we're gonna assume that the beer is not gonna change. It's I At think it's the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I think it's the safe assumption that the beer is gonna stay the same. People are gonna disagree. They're like, oh man, no, they're gonna use all their own hops to do it. I, I you know I think they're not gonna change the recipes. ABI bought Wicked Weed knowing that their beers are fucking phenomenal, and they bought Wicked Weed knowing that they will not have to change any recipes because everything they put out. Is a, is a smash hit based on their following, based on the, the industry's response to Wicked Weed and how good they are. But another thing I want to point out with social media was the press release from Jester King and the uh, Wicked Weed Sour Invitational of people, people being breweries, bailing because um, Wicked Weed got bought out by ABI. But Wicked Weed puts on this event every year. This is Wicked Weed sour invitational in Asheville and pro I, I want to say hundred percent, but I know a large portion of the profits go to local charities within Asheville to help the community. And these breweries are bailing because wicked got bought out saying, Oh, well now that wicked weed, now that ABI owns wicked weed, they can support their own festival. They have enough money to donate. They, you know, fuck them. We'll do our own thing. 52 of the 74 breweries have pulled out. I think is atrocious. And that I think the breweries that bailed should be ashamed of themselves because that right there is not supporting local craft beer. They are so full of themselves that they don't see the bigger picture of, all right, well, they, they got bought out, yes, but and is going towards a bigger cause. This is going towards supporting the community. And that is what craft beer should be given and should be received so i want to know what you guys think of that and jeff we can we can start what i think uh i i think that there's no motivation other than peer pressure and social media stupidity to pull out of that event 
if if out of purely out of being selfish for your own business, it it benefits you to go to that event. You get more exposure. You're you're at a charity event, which makes you not look like a complete scumbag. Um, I mean, all the everything is in your benefit to go to that event. So even if you're only motivated purely out of your own selfish interest for your own brewery, you would stay going to that event. But if you're not, and you're actually a good person, you believe in philanthropy, it also benefits you to go to this event because you're actually going to be involved in a charity event that donates money to a lot of local charities. If you're interested in being local and craft, you would go to that event because you're supporting local and, you know, local the charities and you're also at a craft beer festival, which is craft. Um, I see no motivation to not go other than peer pressure and being able to be the asshole who says, I didn't go because I don't believe in what they did. And that's, you know, that's the world we live in. And again, I have to say, hey, you know, more power to you. It's your brewery. It's your decision to make that call. Uh, do I agree with it? No, but uh, you know, that's your decision. Um, the way I look at it is would anybody have really been that upset if they said we're going to this festival? No, but like if, if any brewery that we, that we frequent, if any of them was like, Hey man, we got invited to the, you know, the wicked weed festival and we're going to, you know, we're sending a few people up there. Would anybody be like, dude, I can't believe you're supporting their festival. No, I'm sure every I, single I, one I of their customers. So. I think so. I would have to disagree with you on that. I think a lot of people would scoff at that brewery because there's so many people that are entitled. Well, if you oh, believe that, oh. then that's if you believe that, then that's the reason why everybody pulled out because they didn't want their customers to scoff at them. So maybe it's not a brewery problem. Maybe it's a customer problem. But I, you know, we've been worried about this craft beer culture becoming too pretentious for, you know, a year and a half now. We've talked about it with the people getting a little pretentious and it's starting to become like wine culture a little bit, uh, which is a shame. But, you know, there's still more there's still more good than bad, I think. Um, and and I, I don't think it's ever going to get that pretentious. Maybe it will. I hope not. But um, I don't see the motivation by pulling out. I, I really don't. I don't see any reason to pull out of that event. Um, it's, it's more or less free exposure. It's, uh, it's a good way to get your name out there. It's a good way to get your beer out there with a lot of other great beers. And it's a good way to support your local, uh, charities or not maybe your local charities, but local charities nonetheless and local craft, um, people. And then also you're not just supporting wicked weed. You're supporting every other person who has a table at that event. The event gets stronger with each brewery that's there. And when you pull out, you made everybody else's event weaker. So I think that you just, you just basically spit in the face of 70 other breweries and said, I'm better than this event that you're going to. And then when they pulled out, so did everybody else. And that's, it's domino effect. And you know, it's a shame. It really is. But you know, it's their decision to make that call. Uh, not mine, but to me, it, I didn't see, I don't see any motivation behind it at all. Preston, what do you think? Yeah, I hate to sound like a broken record here, but I agree with everything Jeff pretty much said. I mean, again, this was another shocking aspect to me. It wasn't so much that the thing happened. It's just that the, the, the reaction to it. And I have to wonder, you know, the percentage of people that, you know, are, are in the problem problem area, the problem child here that are causing all these issues. I got to wonder what percentage of the whole sector that is. Is it, you know, 5% of the snobs or are there 10% snobby people? Is it 20%? You know, because it's, it's a knee-jerk reaction, I think, you know, to, to appease you know, that small sector, you know, they're really trying to make the lowest common denominator the 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 actual, you know, point here. And in this case, it's, I don't know, like I said, it's a charity event, um, good exposure. 
I, I just don't understand all the pulling out. And to, to Jeff's point, I think there is a bit of peer pressure there where once one or two of these big breweries started doing it, it kind of became the thing that you had to do because, you know, if you didn't do it, you're going to be that guy who didn't do it. And now you're going to be that, that outlier. Nobody wants to be that person on the outside when you've worked so hard to kind of get in the inside. And, and, you know, as Mike will know, and Jeff, you as well, you know, from being in this industry, like it's a small world. It really is truly a very small world. You don't know who you're going to run into, when you're going to run into them, you know? So these types of little black eyes, if you become that person is, Oh, can you believe they still went to that festival and served there after they got bought out? Can you believe that? This small struggling brewery who every day has AB InBev pushing down on them and trying to go against them. They're going to go support that event that's not running by that big bully. Like, can you believe it? Like, you know, I, I definitely agree there's some bit of peer pressure there. And I think a lot of these breweries probably could have used that exposure, could have used that experience and done this festival. But you have that catch-22. Like, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you go – Great for you, but you're going to be alienating a certain uh, sector of your uh, your fan base. But I'm really curious. You know, I, I wonder if somebody has that research out there. You know, is this like five percent of people, ten percent of people? Because you know, uh, to to kind of go after that, that lowest common denominator there, it's, it's it's kind of strange. But that this again was something that blew my mind. Fifty-two out of seventy-four are gone. You know, and they've even had to reschedule the event until like September or something. They just canceled it outright and postponed it to a different date. And it's just. I don't know, man. Again, like I don't, I don't, I don't remember Goose Island getting beat up this bad for it. And again, you know, Goose Island may have, arguably, not as been a big of a name, you know, at the time. Obviously, Barbie County is a great beer. The rest of the line, you know, I'm, I'm not, gonna, I'm not waiting in line for some, uh, some, some of their pills, you know. So right. Yeah. Uh, another, another thing I want, I kind of want to point out too. Um, I, my opinion is, it's pretty much what you guys said, but I think the, the biggest reason these breweries failed was the amount of attention the buyout got and a lot the amount of negative attention and and to go with pressing percentages i think it's a very small amount but you know some people who you know the, the loudest mouths or whatever whatever that quote is of people you know the loudest mouths have the most whatever the fuck so it's probably just a small amount of people that are just screaming and yelling from the top of the the mountain and a small percentage but you know i think that's why the breweries are dropping out is because the amount of, of outrage and, and that it was getting. Secondly, I want to point out, I believe Goose Island got bought out in 2011. I believe around there within, when the year either 2010 or 2011 uh, craft beer was super different back then to where mm-hmm. buyouts weren't a thing. ABI had almost no uh, hand in craft beer and just the industry as a whole was still like this new frontier that didn't really get mainstream uh, back back then. Um, my opinion on the uh, on the matter. Yeah, Goose um, Island was the first major craft purchase, I believe. It was like the right. first one, and it kind of shocked everybody. I, I, I remember when it happened, and everybody was like, "What? I can't believe the AB is buying a craft brewery. What are they going to do with a craft brewery?" You know, like, and it was one of those kind of shocking things. And I actually do remember there was a lot of boycotting of Goose Island um, in the world of beer culture the the there was a lot of uh wobs that stopped carrying their beers on tap um goose island had had really big pushes to try to get their beer back in to world of beer which they have done uh in the last you know however long six years or five years since they got bought out uh and and their brand is doing probably better than it ever was before because the market keeps growing but um they did get beat up pretty good but not the same way not the same kind of like almost 
you know, gather your pitchforks. We're chasing after him, kind of like get this guy out of town mob mentality. It was, it was definitely more, um, you know, I support locals, so I'm not drinking them. And that was okay with me. You know, I'm, right. I'm cool with that mentality. Right. And that's the, funny. Local is, is, you know, Kusan's out of Chicago or in New York too. So like locals, like, <laughs> right. That, like that saying that quote with people saying, Oh man, well, this beer is from Tennessee. It's like, that's not local to Florida, dude. <laughs> like <laughs> this is local. Cause it's in Orlando or uh, a cage or rap or, you know, uh, civil society. They're all local to us. And that's just like, that's just funny to me. I don't get yeah. it. Um, so the next kind of question I kind of want to dive into is, is, you know, wicked weed ha- has been such a staple. Do we envision back here a uh, couple months ago, ABI and I was Bush and Bev bought out Sab Miller. For those people who don't know who Sab Miller is, if you drank a Miller light or a Coors light, that's the parent. That's the big King company of, of Coors. They have a, a ton of different beers, but ABI for, for billions and billions and billions of dollars. So now, you know, all the Miller Lite, all the cores you drink are all owned by Anheuser-Busch, which now owns Wicked Weed. So Wicked Weed to kind of bring into their higher end, maybe to get into their sour market. What do you guys feel the topic of conversation? Or the, the purchase of SAB Miller? You were breaking up a little bit towards the end there. I didn't catch some of that. Okay, let me let me back up. <clears throat> so, Wicked Weed got a lot of attention online when they got bought out. When Anheuser Busch bought SAB Miller, you really didn't hear a peep from anybody. Everyone, you, there wasn't the, the the social media outrage ad. In your guys' opinion, which is the more which buyout or? "Quote unquote consequences, or which has more uh, staying power? Say, be Miller buyout or the Wicked Weed buyout? Um, I think so. I think you didn't hear anything about the uh, the SAB Miller buyout because it's not really a craft buyout, and the and your macro drinkers don't give a shit who owns what beer they drink. Um, Good they don't really care at all <laughs> what the beer – they don't even care what's really in the can, obviously. They just drink whatever the hell – whatever's on sale that day. I mean, I've seen right. people shotgun bush light. So, um, you know, it's it, it's a different culture. Macro culture is different. They just want a beer, you know. Um, and in a way, I kind of respect that. They're a lot less fickle, and they're, they're ready to drink. And, and you know, it, they might not like, oh, I don't like Bud Light, but I guarantee when they get it, they don't scoff at it, and they still drink it. You know, so, um, you know, I, I, I think that as far as a business goes, I think that buyout is a lot, has a lot more repercussions. Um, truthfully speaking, I think that they're, they've created a monopoly on macro at this point in America. Um, there is no other, I actually don't understand how it is not legally a monopoly yet and how nobody's had to step in because, um, it definitely they own enough of the market that they are a true monopoly. They could dictate pricing on macro beer, and they own the the big three. Well, there they was own a caveat. The big five. There's a caveat to that sell, and I'm just kind of I'm 
refreshing myself on it here. Part of that to to satisfy the uh, the antitrust stuff or whatever is they actually sold uh, the American part of the business to Molson. So Molson, I guess, in somehow, and I don't know who Molson is tied to, but actually does the uh, the Miller and the Coors production and selling now. Right. So I think they got I think they got the rest of the things that are under it, but the big two I think technically aren't underneath AB InBev anymore. Even though it's part of the buyout, they, it kind of came with it. They had to sell it. And they can keep the rest, kind of deal. So okay, all right. Well, then that makes that's more pretty, sense because I genuinely was like, "That's that's a monopoly." Like, I don't understand how this is not how this is even allowed because like they own everything in every macro beer. Um, but Constellation yeah, I, I, still there, bro. Yeah, with what Corona? Corona. That, they own a they own a big part of the of the. Uh, yeah, good for them. They have like the fifth. They have like the fifth or sixth best-selling macro beer. Like woohoo! Like literally, AB InBev has like the top three or four. Like they probably have Miller or they probably have Mick Ultra too. I don't know who has Mick Ultra, but oh gross! That you know that's the number four selling beer. It's got to be no, sh- no way. Yeah, Coors Light, Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, Budweiser, Mick Ultra, Heineken. Um, uh, you know, Mick Ultra doesn't make the list. Anyway. I digress. It doesn't matter. I think that's a bigger buyout as far as the industry is concerned. Um, I think that the fear of craft breweries being sold, uh, the the sheer fact that there's so many craft breweries opening up every year that Anheuser could never keep up with the production. There's still going to be way more craft than they could ever buy out in their lifetime. They're going to buy out bigger ones, larger ones, ones with more distribution, but there's still always going to be craft. Um, and if you really are in that, like you said in your Venn diagram, if you're really in that craft, uh, drink local, support small business circle more than you are in the quality of beer circle, there's always still going to be something for you. Um, so I'm not, I don't really think that the small brewery buyouts are as, as big in the industry as we make them. Um, but and like we said before, I think that even when they buy out these small breweries, the quality of beer stays the same with them most of the time. And so that beer is still available. So if you are in that other side of the circle where it's about the quality of the beer, there's always still going to be something for you. So it doesn't change the market, in my opinion. Um, but this other one with the with AB InBev essentially buying Miller and Coors, which I guess they don't have American distribution to or whatever. But uh, I think that's a huge, huge as far as the industry goes, I think that's a huge deal. Um, and that basically sets them up to control the beer market for uh, until whenever, I mean, who's going to, who's going to topple them. Who's going to take anything from them now. They own, they they own the beer market. So yeah, keeping the, keeping the theme of the night, I definitely agree with Jeff again. I mean, everything you said is spot on. Um, I definitely think, uh, that's a bigger buyout is something, you know, where they're, you know, it's more about the back end and, and behind the scenes with a, with a deal like that with AB InBev and Miller Coors and all that stuff. That's definitely a, a big game changer as far as, like, what the playing field even looks like versus, you know, something taking a small little brewery. That's kind of taking a pawn off the board. But those kinds of big deals like that, I mean, that's changing the, the rules of the game or at least um, manipulating the rules of the game that everybody's playing on. Those are much bigger buyouts. Um we're definitely going to see more of them. You know, as Jeff said, we've been talking about um, they got a big, big checkbook. They're losing their ass every year. They're going to keep buying out some of these things, and I don't, I don't think most of the time it's going to change the business model. You know, I don't, I don't know what the the revenue stream looks like or is different or being under that umbrella. What 
what benefits it's going to get you, except for the case of the hop farm stuff, which I don't know if we're going to talk about that tonight. You know, there's, there's definitely some ancillary uh, benefits of being underneath some of those big breweries. But for the most part, I think it's going to be business as usual. The same time a beer is going to go out there. I don't think they're going to audit them and start saying, hey, you can't use Motueka anymore. Those are, you know, 249 an ounce. We need to get something down that's down to $1.89 an ounce. You've got to find a different hop. You know, I don't think anybody's coming in and micromanaging these places. They're big, successful brands. They have a lot of um, brand awareness, and I think that's more what they're buying than anything. It's just that that wow factor. People know these brands. They're recognizable. They're turning profit. This is what we're going to get into. So, uh, again, to bring it back, um, AB InBev, Miller, that's a much bigger uh, deal than some of these little buyouts. And we're going to keep seeing more of these. You know, I think we should be less and less shocked by some of these occurring here in the next coming months because they're coming. It's definitely going to happen. And, and I asked that question, and some people are like, ooh, there's no fair question. The reason why I asked that question to everybody, and I'll get to my answer shortly, is that, like I said before, Wicked Week got so much attention online, and yet this SAP Miller buyout. And I think this buyout, hands down, SAP Miller buyout, changed the entire beer market, not just macro and craft, the entire beer market to eight of the eight of the top ten best-selling beers in terms of dollars are owned by one company. That is crazy in terms of dollar amounts, in terms of the percentages and market share and all that. That is insane. Uh, with that purchase, and I don't know, Molson, I, I, I didn't hear that, and that shit's too confusing to, for me to talk even talk about right now because I don't want to sound like an, a, a... But with that buyout, AB InBev now owns... Hot Farms and ABI did buy Northern Brewer, guys. Hello. You're breaking up a little bit. Oh, God damn it. So, SAB Miller, when they got bought out by ABI, ABI now owns all of the Hot Farms and and products that SAB Miller owns. And that's now owned by ABI. And ABI bought out Northern Brewer. So, this SAB Miller buyout has way more problems and way more complexities and impact than Wicked Weed does. And I hate to tell people that, but that buyout, that the government allowed everything. And we are just now getting the tip of the changes with the oh, we're South getting African the tip, right. hot farm. Oh, we're getting a tip. <laughs> just the tip 30. right now. Yeah, just the tip. Slow. We'll be getting full. We'll be getting full shaft by like end of next full year. Shaft full shaft next year. <laughs> full shaft twenty eighteen. So, <laughs> well, and think and, about and just you said eight out, eight out of ten of the best selling beers in the yeah. world. So think about how yeah, much more top buying. Selling, them, I would say I, I don't know about world. I would say domestically. Eight, okay. eight out of the ten. So think about how much more buying power that they are. They already had the most buying power. Think about how much more buying power they have for these craft breweries. Now that they have eight of the 10 best selling beers domestically, they can, that distribution network that they can throw in these small breweries faces and say, we distribute everywhere. We have eight of the 10 biggest brands in the country that you could sell alongside with our own distributors. They have their own distribution in most States. They have their own house that sells Budweiser. Like that's, they got their own house. They got their own car. <laughs> so they, the 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 buying power and the stuff. I mean, this is this is an NFL team recruiting against colleges for recruits. You know, like they're coming in to to go into these small breweries and saying we can give you everything. 
Oh, yeah. oh, this other college is offering you a shot at the national title. I'll give you a Super Bowl out of high school. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's essentially it's, it's absurd. It's, it's number one buying number two. That's what that's what it is in terms of figures, and that's fucking crazy. No one was like, oh, maybe this is a big deal. And everyone's like, oh no, wicked weed. Oh my god, this is the fucking end of the world. Fuck ABI. And you know, going back to the tip, like to the tip, you know, this hot farm, you know, what president the hot farm blockade, ABI has every right to sell whoever they want to. They have every right to do what they want to that farm. And no matter how pissed you get, guess what, guys? The DOJ approved it. So don't hate ABI for being a business and buying out and doing what works best for them. Blame the government for fucking allowing the number one biggest beer buy the number two. And that's where I stand on that shit. <laughs> but people are pissed about the, the 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 South African. I never even knew that shit was even in beer. It was never, I never in my life has seen a beer that says brewed with South African hops. But now, because ABI blocked it, everyone's getting their panties in a bunch. Yeah, I'm admittedly not the destroying the most hoppy beer. Destroying the industry by blocking hops. I don't, I don't brew a ton of hoppy beers. I know, I know New Zealand's very popular right now. I know there's obviously hops in Germany and Czech, and you know being grown in America. And I'm sure there's hops in many other regions, but those are the big ones that I know of: Germany, Czech, New Zealand. America, you know, so it was news to me to hear about South African hops. It doesn't surprise me that there was beers out there using some of these exper- They're using experimental 325-224 in their beers, you know. Um, Yakima Valley uh, out there on the uh, the west coast of the United States, they do a lot of experimental stuff like that. You'll have a hop strand that comes out. It's got no name on it. You know, something a lot of people don't realize, uh, hops like Citra and Amarillo, those are trademarks. Those aren't like an actual hop strand per se like somebody owns that name to that hop that is hop 36442-725 you know that's really what the hop is and someone came along and said nope we market that now this is our trademark we're going to call that amarillo amarillo might not be one of those but there are brands like that citra is a brand of hop it's not really hop per se so interesting though that there are south african hops that you know I, I didn't really know about it, but again, I'm not the most hop forward guy, as we all know. <laughs> I don't brew a lot of hoppy beer, so uh, not surprising that it's, it's not surprising to me, I guess, you know, because I'm not super into that part of the, the niche, but. It, it's crazy how so many people got upset because ABI blocked South African hops when I couldn't even tell you a beer that even had it. I've never seen it. Like every beer is has South African hops. And that is a travesty. It's a travesty to block that from us because we're entitled to it because we're craft beer brewers and drinkers. Yeah. In, in reading, I know uh, modern times, you know, they're one of the the people screaming the loudest. They've got a couple of their beers that uses some of those hops exclusively. Um, But I hate to advertise another podcast on your podcast, but the brewing network has some great, fantastic stuff. And on, uh, I can't remember which show it was the Jamal, the Jamal show or the one of the homebrewing ones, you know, you know, this is a couple of years ago. I, I go back retroactively as I brew a new style and I listen to a podcast on that style to, to gain as much knowledge as I can. He's mentioning it in there is like, stop buying these name brand hops. Like, yeah, some of them have a, a slight bit of uniqueness to it, but you can pretty much come up with any flavor, aroma combination possible or imaginable using many different types of hops. Like, yeah, it's easier. You, you found like your your favorite Larry uh, Lowry's chili seasoning powder at Publix, you know, and every time you make chili, you're going to go to it. But guess what? If Lowry stops making chili powder, 
you can still make Lowry's based chili seasoning. Now, granted, it's gonna be a little tougher. You got to find the exact ingredients or find some things that are close mm-hmm. to it. But you're gonna get something that tastes like your Lowry's chili seasoning. And the fact that these South African hops are blocked shouldn't block any brewery from being able to pr- produce that beer in almost the exact same identical way with some other hop that's very similar. Hops aren't very you know complicated. There's a couple things you look for: um, the cohume levels, the the alpha acids, the beta acids. You know, there's only a couple categories you can look at, and you can pretty much know from science today, all those hops have many of those categories listed out for you scientifically. You could take that information and go compare it to different hops and make a beer. I'm not saying it's going to be exact again because it is the cool little touch of it, but, I mean, that beer is going to be very similar tasting, and I don't think anybody would be going, oh, God, can you believe it? That recipe changes so much that it's garbage now. You know, you can make any beer with, you know, a different combination of hops. What? Or you want the talking? next question? Yeah, oh, well, you had our next, next question. You're breaking up a little bit, man. I, I didn't even hear you ask me a question. My internet's fucking dicking out. Uh, you want to have? You want to add anything? What Preston said? Or are you you raise the hop, next question? This hot bucket. Um, no, the only thing I would say is kind of similar to what Preston just said at the end, and what I was kind of thinking the whole time. And I'm not a brewer, and I'm, I'm very much a layman's uh, as far as how hot flavor comes out. But in my head, I was thinking. I'm not a brewer and I know of hundreds of different kinds of hops. And I was like, if you told me I couldn't get this hop anymore, like I'm pretty sure I could find one that's pretty close. Um, and, and and you could recreate it, you know, somehow I, I, I get it. If it's like, if you have a recipe that calls for this certain kind of hop and now you can't get it, like that's fucked up. But like, that's also just kind of how business works. Sometimes companies go out of business or they don't sell to you anymore or the price gets jacked up twice as high and now you got to pick a different brand. Um, that's just the way things work. You can't link yourself to another company's success and then when they don't distribute to you, all of a sudden you're like, well, that's that's a personal slight against me. They do with it what they please and you were buying their product. If they choose not to sell it to you anymore, then you have to figure out how to continue to sell your product. That's your business. So right. that's, you know, um, or don't, or just close your doors and give up because it's too hard. I don't know. Cry about it, whatever. <laughs> right. So a, a quick question. I know a lot of people are going to ask, uh, just a quick yes or no. Uh, do you guys think ABI is uh, detrimental? detrimental to craft beer are they out to get craft beer in a in a in a negative way uh preston what do you think um yes but i'm I'll, i can like i can answer it too if like my know. my yes is like on the 51 percent line you know if, if, okay. if i had to say 50 50 i'd go 51 percent. like i i don't buy it you know in, in the fact that they're the, the evil you know bully coming in and stomping their fists around and and destroying things on purpose to better the sale of their watered down piss loggers, you know? Um, but there is a little bit of it, you know, there's definitely a little bit of it. I think they're realizing slowly, but surely that uh, Jeff mentioned earlier that they're going to out, they can't keep up with this pace. There's going to be more great craft breweries that are coming up. They're not going to be able to buy them all out in time to, to kind of make it up, you know, for the, the lost efforts or whatever. So um, I didn't want a quick answer. So yes. Yes. I I say, I say no. I say that they are a new aspect of craft beer. I don't think that they really give a shit about craft beer Uh, to them. uh, I think there's a, a, there is a, 
a slight kind of anxiety within that, you know, whatever that brain trust is running this big organization, there's an anxiety of what, um, you know, what craft represents to them. It's a lot of money loss, but I guarantee that they don't, they don't see it that way because they're, you know, they're sharks, they're ruthless businessmen. And I think they see every single road block as an opportunity. And I think that's exactly what they're doing is they're saying, this is not the end of, of what we do. This is the beginning of something new that we do. And we're going to continue to break into this market. They see craft as an opportunity. It's not the end of, of Anheuser-Busch. It's the new age of Anheuser-Busch and macro may continue to lose, but they won't. Um, they're going to continue to buy up their portion of the craft market until they own enough of the craft market that as it grows, they grow with it. And they're, uh, they're, they're almost too big to fail right now. They're doing exactly what they needed to do to stay afloat. I don't think they represent a huge risk to the craft market. Um, but I also just think that eventually we're going to look back at this time in history and be like, man, that was crazy when they bought in. But now they're 50% of the craft market and we love everything that they have. Uh, they represent so many brands and, you know, they're, they're just going to be an everyday thing eventually. Um, and craft beer will be the norm. Um, cause I've said this before, I believe that craft beer is going to continue to grow and be the norm. Um, and the only reason that craft cocktails and craft beer ever died was prohibition to begin with. And we're getting back to where it should have been already. Um, so I don't see it as a threat. I don't think the industry is in any dire need of change. I just think that they see it as a business opportunity and they're taking their business opportunity and they're running with it. Yeah. I think Anheuser-Busch is, is a bully for now next year or, you know, tomorrow, you know, uh, for abstract. Uh, no. So, um, being a bully to where not they're being a bully in terms of not necessarily buying the breweries, but buying the ingredients that go to the breweries, having that control and having that market makes them more of a bully than buying a brewery that has distribution that only distributes like super locally, like a wicked weed or like where the golden rose, where the fuck brewery that was in Arizona. Like these aren't national brands in terms of distribution. They're super concentrated within that County in the state or that state alone to where that aspect, I don't think they're bullies, but there's going to be a point where ABI, you know, I agree with, they're going to keep buying breweries. That's inevitable. Get used to it. But I think there's going to be a point where the government is going to step in and say, you can no longer buy breweries because you're getting out of hand. Your percentage or margins of the market are too great. So we are going to, because the government has control, they can approve or disapprove a buyout of, of such of a magnitude. So they're going to, they're going to put it, the breaks down and say, this is it. You know, we let you guys buy SAB Miller. We let you guys buy Wiki. We let you guys buy so-and-so you're no longer, you are not allowed to buy, more breweries until the the percentages change or the market share has changed to where it's no longer questionably a monopoly. It's more of an equal, more of a, of a shared balance in terms of the bigger brands and the smaller guys. So I don't think, I mean, they're a brewery now, a bully now, but that's going to end within the next year or two. And then, you know, everything will be hunky dory. Um, Real quick, so, I got a follow up with yeah, Jeff. Yeah, real quick, uh, I believe most of what you say there, but the the problem I have, and maybe it's because I don't understand this, so they have the commercials that basically talk about 
you know, this isn't a beer to like, you know, be hoity-toity about or whatever. They're basically like making fun of craft people. Who are those commercials targeting then? Is it? Do you think that's targeting their normal consumer? That the, the normal Budweiser drinker is going to see that this isn't a beer to be fussed over and not to be sniffed? Like, is that is that someone at home who drinks Budweiser going, yeah, that's my beer. That was my guys. Unfortunately, I do actually think that is exactly who those commercials are for. I think that <laughs> those. I think those commercials are actually. I don't. So what I. What I said, I still stand by. I don't think that Anheuser-Busch, I don't think that their employees, executives, their brain trust, I don't think they think of craft beer as a threat. I don't think that they're looking at it and saying, how can I shut craft beer growth down? I think they're looking at it and saying, this is where the market's heading. I'm not going to be on the wrong end of this. Let's get involved in it. However, I think they know what their clientele is. And I think that those are directed purely to the people who say fuck these hipsters and they're stupid sniffing their beers and this and that and i don't go to that bar because there's too many guys in flannel shirts and glasses so i'm only drinking bud light and you hear it i mean you hear people talk about oh the fucking hipster bar there and that oh that city's full of hipsters and this and that and i think just genuinely those and I actually think that they're smart advertising. I think it's almost borderline. If hipster was a race, it'd be racist. But um, <laughs> I mean, it's pre- those are prejudice. Those are prejudicial advertising. I don't think it's not smart advertising um, because I think that a lot of people are are anti hipster for in that in that macro beer market. A lot of the clientele doesn't like hipsters. Right. So um, it's it's definitely something that. It got and it also got them. It got the world talking. It got the world talking about macro beer. And wow, did you hear that slight they took on craft beer? And no matter what happened, it was on the internet. It was on blogs. It was on podcasts. It's still on podcasts because we're talking about it now. So I think it was. I think it was smart advertising. Um, I, I don't agree with it. Uh, I can't believe that they did stoop that low. But it probably saw a giant boost in sales, and I guarantee that there was some redneck people sitting around a fire saying, "Yeah, we don't sniff our beer. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we don't sniff our beer, Earl. <laughs> Get the gator." Yeah, I would agree with Jeff on that too. Um, so, kind of the last and final monster question of of this of this episode is going to be takeaways. So. What did you guys, after this whole discussion and, and, and seeing it kind of start and end of not only the, the Wicked Weed buyout, but maybe craft beer buyouts in general, maybe there are issues that came up and what do you guys think would maybe help resolve maybe future problems, whether it's a shift in the market or people stop being pretentious assholes, you know, kind of, you know, uh, you know the takeaways problems and maybe a hypothetical solution i guess to kind of wrap the episode up it's a loaded question it's a loaded question i'll start i'll start so takeaways is that right point one it's business it happens buyouts happen all the time and people don't cry about it they don't get their panties in a bunch they're not pissed off about it no one got upset when you uh google bought out youtube like it's business. It happens. It happens every week. Get over it. Second takeaway is I was surprised how many entitled people there were and how many people and the different opinions of what people have on craft beer I found extremely interesting. 
uh, you know, like my Venn diagram, some people drink for quality, some people drink it for the, the local down the street factor. And you got that little sliver of people who do it for both. I lean more towards quality. You know, I have no problem drinking a wicked weed that's made by a- ABI. I have no problem drinking a bourbon County cause they're good beer. And I drink good beer Does, to me. It doesn't matter who brews it. Good beer to me is good beer. Um, another takeaway is, is that, you know, breweries need to do a better job getting involved within the local community more through philanthropy that's such a hard word to say you know and and don't let your ego or an idea or hate stop you from doing what what's better for not only you but for the community you're in you know i would love to see more not just in orlando but more breweries getting involved in and more community activities and and getting involved with K runs or fundraising events or anything like that, you know, because it benefits the community and it benefits you getting your name out there. You know, beer has this thing of being bad, but you can turn a bad image of, oh, drunk people, drunk driving, all this into something good, having that good, positive image of, you know, I'm a, I have a local brewery, I'm supporting a local charity event like, you know, Bay Bros doing tomorrow as they're supporting. A, a great event to support a greater cause and that I think more breweries should get involved in uh, not just for the money fact, but just, just to be there, just put your name out there and have a, a good image. And then probably my last takeaway, is, you know, is that I am ABI They're They know how to do business. They have big pockets. Like we've said, they know what they're doing. I think what Jeff said is ideal. I don't think they give a fuck about craft beer, but they're like, Oh, this thing's kind of, kind of cool you know destroy i'm looking to get involved and to get you know more money in, a, in an industry that is is growing and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing it raises competition it makes these it should in, make these brewers make better beer and that you know like Preston said the cream's gonna float and if you don't make if you make bad beer you're gonna go out of business so i think that's a great effect on a buyout like that and having that competition in shelf space and having that around you know big beer in my opinion big good beer will always sell local indie whatever trillium people get that shit in the mail because that's great beer people trade Pliny. people trade for alk you know heady topper because good beer will always sell and people will always try and go after it so that's kind of my takeaway. I, the craft beer industry is, is, is a beast. It's a fickle beast, and there's so many layers. And it's, it's, interest, it's interesting, fascinating, irritating, aggravating, and I'm proud to be a part of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> All of the above. Uh, that's kind of what I took. Yeah, that's kind of what I took away from this situation. And, and you know, the heat's over. The, the heat has dimmed down. Everyone's kind of calmed down. But, you know, people get crazy, man. <laughs> so end of the soapbox alright Preston got? why don't you go I'm still collecting my thoughts <laughs> okay um, takeaways <laughs> like, much like Mike said good beer is good beer I really don't care at the end of the day who actually brews it who makes it as long as it tastes good you know um, we're, we're talking about Pepsi versus Coke versus RC you know it's all cola it's all beer there's, there's so many different people who make it and I'm going to go to what um, what I like if, if Pepsi was no longer made by Pepsi, if it was bought by somebody else, but it still had the Pepsi brand and it still tasted like Pepsi and it was still amazing, guess what? I'm going to still drink Pepsi. And the same thing goes with beer. Um, yeah, there's some shock value. You know, definitely 
um, you know, anytime you get into the art and the craft part of it, you know, people, people do have that sense of entitlement. And I think Jeff's mentioned it before. It's like, you know, when your cool little local band that nobody knows about finally makes it and gets big and they kind of don't really pay attention to you anymore in your small little local network and they have to share their wealth and their love across you know, all United States and you don't see that band anymore. And it's like fucking sellouts, man. Now their albums sound amazing and they don't tour here anymore. You don't ever see them. They're not my buddies anymore. You know, my, my cool little local guys, you know, they're gone. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, good beer is good beer. I'm going to drink it. Doesn't matter who makes it. Um, would I would I rather see it stay local? Yeah, as someone who's eventually going to be uh, jumping into the the local market and being part of that hyper local culture. Like, absolutely, I want you to spend money locally. But we've all talked about it before, man. Uh, good beer will keep you coming back to to a beer or uh, to a bar to a restaurant. You know, so as long as the beer is great, I'm going to be there. Um, I try not to get tied up too much into the the semantics of who owns what and where it's coming from. Um, that's it, man. I got nothing more. That's it. Awesome. I guess uh, my biggest takeaway is, uh, and I am actually, I, I'm definitely more business, but I actually, when it comes to beer, I do because of uh, being a small family owned restaurant that I work at. And uh, I, I am more in the drink support local kind of circle. I'm, I am one of those people who it has to be good too. I'm not going to support a local shitty brewery, but uh, you know, um, I, I will try local breweries. I'll give, uh, we go to breweries all the time down here. Me and Cassie go every weekend and we go out to breweries. So I do think that that drink local thing carries a lot of weight. I respect everybody's opinion for wanting to drink local. And if they don't want to drink Anheuser-Busch owned breweries, then fine. That's, that's okay. And I understand that. However, what I, what I don't get is that you don't have the local pride because the ownership is not local. For instance, like Preston was saying with the band, we talk about this band and it's the local band of your buddies and they get together and you used to go to the local bar and see them play. And then they make it big in your hometown. That band is God to you. You still are like, they made it and they're from here. And everyone in the country gets to hear that music that I got to hear in that bar drunk every night. And I'm so proud of the fact that that band is from my town. Nobody does that in craft beer anymore. Nobody's saying I'm so happy that in Asheville, I'm sure they're, they're freaking out. I can't believe AB owns Wicked Weed. But now when Wicked Weed is in California or Washington or Colorado or Maine or wherever else they want to be. Orlando, Florida. Or Orlando because they weren't before. And people are going apeshit over this beer because they never got it before. And now it's in their market because AB bought it. And they're going to sit there and throw them to the wolves and say, fuck that brewery. When really they should be saying, yes, you know what? That is our beer. That's from here. That is Asheville. You know, that's, that is our culture that is in that beer. And now you get to try it in your town. Um, I think that's a huge thing that, as you were saying, what could these breweries be doing better to make these buyouts easier on the consumer? That is what they should be doing better is focusing their advertising and their, and their, their literature and what they put out to the public on. This is what we're doing. We're bringing your local culture to the main consumer for everyone to, to see what we do well in Asheville or what, well, what we do well in Orlando or what we do well in, in Tampa. Um, if they focus their energy on that, and I think being more transparent is a big thing. I think it's shady, and I think that rubs people the wrong way, that these breweries have these deals, they work these deals, and they keep everyone in the dark until the deal is done, and then it just comes out. Yeah. Wicked Weed sold. 
Be transparent about it. Uh, make it more of a transitional period. Also, I think AB needs to do a way better job about not being at war with craft and accepting beer and saying, putting out a commercial that says, hey, we own craft beer now. We have our own craft breweries. Now let's start putting out commercials about beer culture and include craft beer and say how you know anybody drinks whatever they like and that's good for them and, and we're all a big happy family. If Anheuser-Busch spent half as much money on buying breweries as they did on advertising their existing bre craft breweries as we're still craft, we're still here for you guys, we're still local, and they put that out there into the world, Nobody would hate them as much, but it's because they're the enemy and they make themselves the enemy that everybody hates these buyouts. If they made themselves the friend, then they wouldn't, nobody would care about the buyouts. So I think there's a combination of things that can be done that would make these buyouts a little less aggravating. Um, and, and really it's at the end of the day, it's about the beer. Uh, the beer is going to stay quality to me. I'll still drink like I said, if I go to Asheville, I'm not going to not go to Wicked Weed. I'm going to go to the Funkatorium. I'm going to drink those beers because they're phenomenal. Um, is there going to be, uh, you know, a big push for for me to go to Asheville to go to Wicked Weed now? Maybe not, you know. But if I'm there, I'm going. It's still the best beer in Asheville. Uh, I've been there and I've tried almost every brewery there, and I can tell you, it is still the best beer in Asheville. You're going to go. You're going to have a great beer. So maybe take a little bit of local pride in the fact that now the whole country is going to get to try what you made in Asheville. That's your culture. That's your pride of your city that now is in every city or will be in every city eventually, you know, yep. that's, that's my take on it, but I do respect the people who, who want to drink the small breweries. You know, I, I get it. Yeah. So let's go wrap up this episode. Thanks guys for joining me. Finally get the dust. Yeah. Off. Buddy. yeah it's been a while. <laughs> I mean, there's been a lot going on. So Preston, man, you know it's you know it's your time to plug. Plugging it everywhere, anywhere. anywhere. Oh everywhere. man, so I mean plug it to A B. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, I'll get the plunge. Shaft from tomorrow. The whole plunger, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, tomorrow we are gonna be uh, serving for Bayboro. Uh, again, this probably won't air in time unless you get this together tomorrow morning. Uh, but yeah, we're doing a, a that might be possible. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing a really great charity event. Uh, Murph Challenge. Uh, this was a, a warrior who basically left the cover uh, to save some of his comrades. Ended up losing his life uh, in combat. Uh, so a lot of these, a lot of gyms are doing what they call the Murph Challenge on Memorial Day. It's it's something ridiculous. Like you run a mile, 300 sit-ups, 200 pull-ups, 100 squats, followed by another mile, all with like 30 pounds of gear on. Uh, but yeah, the event we're doing, uh, all the the proceeds are going to go to the Wounded Warriors Found uh, Fund. Jesus, Warriors Wounded. Warriors Foundation. Uh, also, I believe some stuff with canines, getting uh, some vets uh, returning from duty, uh, canines uh, who need them. Um, so, yeah, uh, definitely a cool event. Happy to be part of that. James, uh, being a veteran himself, is always looking for ways to get involved in the, uh, any kind of military event we can get into to kind of help support them. So, again, we'll be pouring the, my very first West Coast IPA that I've, I've brewed all on my own, basically put all my own ingredients and recipe together. You know, I've done some, some clones before, but this is the first one I've kind of put my own recipe together, bringing up the Preston Wisen. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Other than that, man, we're, we're pumping the brakes a little bit. It's getting to that, that season where it's too hot for festivals. Um, I mean, I'm driving down the road and I see a sign for a festival every weekend that I didn't even know was going on. Like, you know, it seems like every city is getting a, oh, yeah. a beer festival every other weekend now. So I can't even keep up with them. But for now, we're going to go back to research and development, kind of looking into some, some new stuff. Again, we, we've meddled with some things, so it's time to kind of move on and, 
uh, explore some other styles. Just, you know, we want to be ready when the doors are open. We don't want to be those guys who are AKA or quote unquote, figuring out their system, you know? Uh, so we want some beers ready to rock and roll when the doors open. Um, we're, we're still looking for money. You know, that, that's the tough part right now is banks are real skittish. You know, they, they, they've already been giving out loans and a lot of them have extended themselves too much into that sector. So they're kind of a little more hesitant to give out the money these days. Uh, understandably, you know, there's 5,300 breweries now or 5,400 breweries mm. up from 2000 breweries four years ago or whatever. So, uh, rightfully so the money is starting to get a little more scarce. So, uh, James, James is smart. He's a good business guy. So he's waiting for the right deal at the right, you know, uh, terms and stuff. So, uh, until then we're just going to keep brewing some beer, kind of doing some research and development. I'm on a personal mission this year to, to rank myself in the top 25 of the Florida homebrew circuit. Uh, as of yesterday, I was ranked sixth over the last couple of competitions, so I'm, I'm in the running, I guess, yeah, at this buddy. point, but got to gotta keep meddling, keep brewing some strong beer, so that's what I'm focusing on, just looking at some new recipes. Again, I'm not I'm not happy entering that gold medal every time they recomp. You know, once I gold with it or silver, I'm done brewing it for the year, and I'm going to keep moving on to, to different things, so that's it for me, man. Beer Chasers is uh, beer chasers is a little slow at the moment, just haven't had time to get out. Um, I'm still going through my backlog of content, just trying to get everything wrapped up and filmed and edited i should say and, and out there so um look for some more episodes soon uh other than that man that that is it well man jeff sounds busy What's going on man uh well i have to uh i have to shout out uh two new listeners uh Artie Drummerhauser and casey gillespie i was just up at uh my friend casey's wedding two weeks ago up in winter park and uh i told him i'd give him a shout out on the show congratulations casey and stephanie um and we went to Winter Park Wine Room and had a blast there. And I know it's not craft beer, but they do have craft beer there. But a beautiful place anyway, nonetheless. And I figured good opportunity to tie them in to uh, the Casey and Stephanie Gillespie wedding. Um, and then uh, last weekend, I was in Nashville uh, for a bachelor party for Eddie. So congrats, Eddie, or whatever you say for bachelor parties. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Eddie. Woo! And uh, we had we had a couple breweries I wanted to comment on in Nashville. I try I didn't go to the breweries themselves, but the, a lot of local beer up there. And uh, Yazoo is a fantastic brewery. They stand out in the uh, in the Nashville market as well as Jackalope, which is actually in Nashville. Um, Jackalope. Uh, I thought the beers were a little bit worse than Yazoo. Yazoo was a little more polished. Uh, they had some darker German style beers. They had a nice dark lager, really good amber lager. Very uh, a lot of German malts. Um, used and just very uh you know bready caramelly kind of very nice light uh but full body i don't know how to describe it light but full uh flavored beers uh from yazoo jackalope was a little bit more kind of pushed the envelope really malty uh malty pale ales and and uh, hoppy beers but with a malt backbone so they were interesting um definitely cool but i, I thought yazoo was a little more polished uh, but either way, Nashville was cool. We did a lot of fun stuff up there. Um, otherwise, uh, not a whole lot else going on as far as the plugging it anywhere goes. Um, trying to plan out my trip to, uh, I think we said it on the show, to Cuba. I think uh, I'm still trying to plan that out. Cuba. Uh, which will be a, that'll be a fantastic show if we can make it happen. Um, yep. If I can get some inside info on the Cuba trip. So that's planning in the works. Uh, but otherwise, that's pretty much all I've got going on. Yeah. So what I got going on, it's been drinking every weekend, as usual. If it's not in Longwood pouring beer, it's at Red Cypress's, uh last week for their craft beer week. Had a slice pie. 
Oh, key lime slice beer, which is money. Uh, but other than that, has been drinking every weekend. Um, the show's been kind of slow in terms of, of what I've been able to do. Uh, I started a new job last week. It's been and just kind of getting all the ducks in a row there. I'm um, still building the website. It will be done once I buy the .com. And then once I buy the .com, it will be released. Uh, working on a store. I got a couple designs made. And I am for more designs so I can upload them for purchase. But other than that, it's just uh, nothing. <laughs> What's a brother got to do to get him an At The Bar podcast t-shirt? Finally. Uh, you got once once I get them, you'll get one for free, buddy. Three X. Yeah, buddy. Three X. Don't forget it. This one. But we're working on that. We're uh, I'm looking at getting stickers and all that shit because apparently that's what the cool podcasts do in Orlando, and we're not cool. Anyway, that's all. We are not topic. cool. We are not cool. Well, let's talk about that next week. Yeah, how <laughs> we're not cool. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone, Jeff and Preston, for joining me on this episode that I was holding off because I wanted it to be so good. And I think it was so good. And I'm so happy it was so good. So we had the right people. We had the right guests today. We had the right people yes. to talk about this topic. I think we did a good job. Yes. Oh, excited. So, Thanks. I just want to thank you guys again. And to wrap this up, as always, thanks again for listening. And we'll see you guys at the bar. See you. Laters. See you.